Today's early special edition of Overdrive Radio for podcast subscribers, another installment in the Trucking's State of Surveillance multi-part series. For this one, we should actually be live now with the series at overdriveonline.com. If you missed Long Haul Paul Marhofer's talk with Karen Levy, the previous edition of the podcast, track back to it. It drops Friday, July 7th to the feed. Levy's book about how the ELD mandate changed the face of trucking in so many ways, magnified long-standing issues in others, really sets the stage for this one in some ways. For those of you coming into the audio from OverdriveOnline.com, it's likely you've seen companion stories in the State of Surveillance special reports. Particularly germane is the story about rather slow, though quickening, moves toward automation of roadside inspections. I'm Todd Dills, your host for this long talk with Nashville-headquartered transportation attorney Hank Seaton about issues of roadside and investigatory enforcement via the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration's audit and safety rating programs, and what he sees happening with several related advanced notices of rulemaking and other notices that have been popping up over the course of this year. And last year, in my view, as you'll hear, as they relate to the FMCSA's inspection program in particular. The first that caught Hank Seaton's eye this year, those proposed CSA safety measurement system changes put up for review back in the early months, I believe it was. Seaton noted those changes. From the outside looking in, if you're just taking a head count, it would appear that the agency is looking at a kinder, gentler reboot. He uses that word reboot to mean changes to the CSA program's SMS methodology, through which FMCSA purports to prioritize carriers for intervention, various safety audits, some of them comprehensive type audits with the possibility of a safety rating. Yet, given the relative few ratings that have been issued in recent years, with majority adverse conditional or unsatisfactory ratings, and the basic unlikelihood of an audit for a truly safe and well-performing independent owner or small carrier. So that very system prejudices the public's view of a new entrant who really has no chance of getting a satisfactory safety rating under the current thing unless he is, first of all, in the bullseye of needing an audit. If a new entrant needs an audit, generally speaking, it's because someone in an FMCSA regional office or state partner saw an issue, more than one crash maybe, patterns of violations for equipment issues, drug testing, hours of service. A satisfactory rating is highly unlikely, impossible under the current system without a fully comprehensive on-site audit, so seeking in a coalition of carriers shippers and brokers and other supply chain entities have long argued for a simple red light green light system for ratings a biannual desktop audit akin to the new entrant audit conducted for every carrier in the nation to deliver a safety use or not clear judgment from fmcsa carriers might better know where they stand shippers and brokers and everyone could more effectively fight off lawyers in search of nuclear verdicts the vagaries of the current system, the parallel safety scoring program in the SMS, could be made, well, certainly less vague in its application in some ways. You know, I guess the best analogy is maybe to the cop on the block. Yeah. We know, we know that what we expect of our, our police force is people who are enforcing the laws, but 
are not quick to shoot. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, if, yeah. if, if they're going to be the ombudsman, uh, they don't need to profile every newbie as, as, as somebody who shouldn't be in the industry. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, <clears throat> that's what we call prosecutorial abuse. Yeah. Right. And what I'm suggesting is that at that level, the agency's function should not be prosecutorial. It, it should be more to be sure that the traveling public understands the rules and is complying and to separate out those who are negligent or wrong. Unfortunately, in Hank Seaton's view, that doesn't seem to be where the agency is headed with its aim to put forward an advanced rulemaking notice to revamp the safety ratings, he said. Level 8 Automated Electronic Inspection Program, agency partners have said, could, fully implemented, deliver 10 times the amount of data into the entire enforcement system. If that's true, while... I, I, I do not have access to the minds of the bureaucrats. Yes. yes. <laughs> uh, it, it seem, and, I, and I don't want to be a naysayer. I yeah. understand that to, in the future... We have got to accept that there's going to be a whole lot of technology and that big data is going to drive things. Uh, My concern is that trucking as we know it is going to have a major birthing pain trying to get some of this accomplished. I just don't don't see the pain being worth the gain. Uh, I don't see it working for, for little guys. Hear much more of the details of Seton's line of thinking to roll us through the end of our trucking's state of surveillance special reports here on the podcast. After this brief word from Overdrive Radio's sponsor. Love your diesel? We get it. Protect your investment and maximize performance with Howe's Diesel Defender. Increase towing capacity, torque, and power. With Howe's, you'll hear the smooth rumble of a clean and well-lubricated engine in no time. Oh yeah, and Howe's Diesel Defender will increase your fuel economy by 5% or more. Guaranteed. Howe's Diesel Defender. For every diesel. Find much more information about Defender at H-O-W-E-S, HowesProducts.com. Here's Seton, leaning into where the pieces of the puzzle started for him, at least, with 2023's early CSA safety measurement system reboot, as he calls it. Okay, SMS methodology, the idea that you can use roadside inspections and crash data to profile carriers for safety fitness purposes is nothing new. It started with CSA 2010. We're now 13 years uh, down the stream. A lot has happened over the past 13 years. The agency's made 800 changes in the methodology. It's tried to uh, float the methodology as a safety fitness determination. Uh, As a result of the systemic flaws that were in the system, Uh, Congress directed that the program be submitted to the National Academy of Science for review, that USDOT review it, that uh, the very use of it be taken down from the website until all that was accomplished. That legislation uh, passed in 2015, which is now seven years ago. The National Academies of Science report confirmed that the existing system didn't work 
They said it would have to be modified with an entirely different system. Uh, and then the USDOT refused to approve it for the agency's use. In 2016, notwithstanding that, the agency tried to launch a safety fitness determination, which they quickly withdrew. So since 2016 till today, uh, SMS methodology has been a system working in the background that has no approval as a rule. It has been uh, unfortunately used by insurance companies to increase rates. And it's been unfortunately used by plaintiff's bar to uh, uh, exacerbate judgments by saying that it shows deficiencies in carrier operation. Uh, as a result, misuse of SMS has been uh, the linchpin of the problems with the red light, green light for carrier service. So uh, a lot of shippers and insurance companies are looking at this data regardless of uh, its content or relevance because mm -hmm. they have nothing else to look to and they feel as though plaintiff's bar will create a nuclear judgment if they don't. Yeah, we can include brokers in that. Yes. Too. Yeah. yeah, particularly with respect to the to the broker industry, uh, the broker industry has uh, been begging for a red light, green light mm -hmm. for years and trying to accomplish it by new legislation. Now, uh, the position that the group of people that uh, we represent is new legislation really isn't needed because the agency back in 2010 when they were sued by Nastic and other folks entered a settlement that said that unless a carrier was placed out of service or was otherwise found to be unsatisfactory, was fit to operate on the nation's roadway. Now our argument has been and still is that the FMCSA is the cop on the block. If they say that the guy is fit to use, then it's over, and that is the green light for use. Right. And our argument is really pretty simple. Congress did not intend shippers to have to be vigilantes to second-guess the agency's decision. And unfortunately, much of the chaos in litigation, uh, much of the nuclear verdict is directly related to plaintiff's bar's use of this tool. The SMS. SMS. Yeah. yeah. So that's that's basically the background that sets the stage for the fact that now, 13 years later, yeah. and after seven years of not making any changes, there is a reboot. And we call the term a reboot because uh, the agency has continued to be under pressure to uh, give safety ratings. And now, rather than come out with some objective standard, they're trying to go back to SMS and clean it up in some way to use data from roadside inspections and crash data to profile carriers. Now, as part of what we'll be talking about today, on the reboot, it's not just that they want guidance to help them use the existing rules to give someone a safety rating. 
They're actually proposing that this new use of SMS methodology be baked somehow into the cake of assigning a safety rating. To be clear, the FMCSA is not there yet, but Hank Seaton believes signs point the way towards such an outcome for the agency. There are four things on the street that all infer that that okay. is where they're going, and that's something I think we're going to cover. Today. Okay. Well, let's talk about um, talk about the reboot a bit. Um, you you um, you were involved. You're involved with the coalition of carriers that um, filed commentary on it. I think. Um, what what uh, what were some of the points that were uh, that, that you guys made in that in that uh, comment? Um, and our readers will be somewhat familiar with some of the changes that uh, that were proposed back in February. Uh, we, we've reported on it pretty extensively. If anybody's been reading us, they'll, they'll be familiar with it. Yeah, yeah. The, the agency's proposal was in a, in a guidance format, a request for comments, kind of. Uh, uh, a finger in the air to see how the wind was blowing with yeah. uh, with the carriers, and by and large, most of the comments that were filed uh, were very uh, uh, welcoming. Yeah, there weren't many comments. No, there weren't many. There weren't <laughs> many, but uh, uh, from the outside looking in, if you're just taking a head count, yeah. it would appear that the agency is looking at a kinder, gentler reboot. Okay. And I mean by that, uh, you got to realize that when they first came out, they had, what, seven or eight different silos for measuring things. And the algorithm was very difficult and hard to understand. And things like uh, failing to have a, uh, a, a drug test as a random would, would get you in hot water quickly. So there were obvious glitches in the way that it was imposed. Well, when this one comes out, uh, they take what used to be all of these different things and they combine a lot of them in a catch-all called uh, unfit driving. Unsafe driving. (laughs) Unsafe driving. Well, I mean, the very name of that suggests that, you know, whatever's in there is evidence that you're unsafe. Right. Uh, which is probably a bit of a quantum leap. Uh, but in general, the kinds of things uh, uh, that, they, that they included in their weighting seem to be a kinder, gentler weighting. But uh, the question that we raised is, okay, agency, for what are you doing this? What is the purpose of this? This really isn't going to change the carrier's score. But for you, for you little guys, we're going to recognize that most of you are not even going to be rated. Yeah. We're not going to have enough as a result of these changes to say that you are statistically measurable. Yeah. So what then do they say to the vast majority of carriers who under that schema will not have enough data to be measured? Hmm. Well... What we scored them on was, so your goal is to give everybody a safety rating. Congress told you 20 years ago that everybody you allowed to operate should have a safety rating. And using SMS in the background, each year you're giving less and less safety ratings. So if all this does is a status quo ante, 
in terms of allowing you to issue safety ratings. What you're saying is the safety ratings are only going to be given to less than 1% of the, of the carriers a year. Right. And another little hidden jewel in what they said was, we've determined that past history is only valid if you go back a year. Okay? So when you look at the number of carriers who have safety ratings, there may be 60,000 carriers who have safety ratings. But the ones who have safety ratings issued in the past year is less than 10,000. And there's 700,000 of them. So our question was, what's it all about here? Why are we going into rearranging a system if the outcome is you're going to leave 99% of the carriers unrated? Most of the large carriers or most of the carriers who've enjoyed a safety rating inherited it. It could go back 20 years and it could be satisfactory. It remains satisfactory. Why? Because they haven't been inspected and found to be less. But if you go into it as a new carrier and you have an audit, they'll cut the audit short and won't issue you a new set. As it currently operates, a new carrier, since they don't consider the new carrier audit, uh, will be shown to be uh, unrated. And if for some reason they come up on the radar, they'll start with a non-rateable audit. And if they find no basis for issuing a safety rating, they default back to unrated. If, on the other hand, you have a satisfactory safety rating, albeit 20 years old, and they come in and do an unrated audit and decide not to do a full review, you fall back to your set. Right. So that very system prejudices the public's view of a new entrant who really has no chance of getting a satisfactory safety rating under the current thing unless he is, first of all, in the bullseye needing an audit. Right, right. And, we, we, and to, get, to get there, uh, basically, um, it's, 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 there's some negative uh, piece of data associated with that carrier already. So the, the likelihood of a satisfactory rating is, is, even, is even more um, small, I guess. Uh, yeah, and, you know, obviously a difficult problem. And, 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 you know, I think we all want to be sympathetic with the fact that when you get 100,000 applications a year, <laughs> right. you've got, you, you got yourself a problem. But when you have a system that only selects people for audit based upon unpublished criteria. It can be that if a carrier is involved in a fatality accident that he didn't cause, that someone at the agency says, look, we need to to go Mm -hmm. look at this guy. It could very well be that even on a regional basis, uh, uh, an agent makes a decision of who needs to be examined by uh, an increase in HOS. Right. You know, they, uh, since these uh, decisions of to whom they go in and do uh, a, a, a reboot audit is, uh, is up to them, uh, 
you know, hopefully they're making intelligence decisions, but it is totally discretionary. Yeah. And the fact that it's totally discretionary doesn't mean that it's a, a focused audit on the people who most need it. Well, I mean, that's kind of like the, that's the, the rationale that FMCSA continues to give for the SMS itself, um, is that it is a, a way to better uh, prioritize carriers who have issues. It's, it sounds like what, what you're telling me here that you don't you don't think that this reboot of the SMS the, the changes that they're proposing here uh, is going to result necessarily in 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 that in that goal. Um, or well, that but goal. The, if you look at this particular request for comments, yeah. and you see that it's not going to change the ultimate score, right? Then you say, well, if it doesn't change the score and we don't move the score, uh, how is it going to result in people getting more safety ratings? It doesn't change the yeah. It doesn't change the nature of the score. Is what you're saying? I yeah, guess. it will. I mean, the, the little tweaks do change carrier scores. They go up and down. Yeah, they go they go yeah. up and down. But the, the real issue with this standalone and our comments were focused on. What's it all about? Yeah, right, you right. say you say that based upon what you've got, uh, you're going to recalculate the data, but it's not going to change the score. Uh, isn't your real goal to figure out if you only look at a one year look back? How do we determine that these people are satisfactory to use? Okay. It how is. do we do? How do we do our job? rather than every year continue the idea that we're going to look at five or 6,000 carriers for whatever reason, but all the rest of them are going to have this absence of a red light, green light, have the, uh, uh, the difficulty as a new carrier of getting business because brokers are afraid to use you since they know that you haven't even been through a new carrier audit. So uh, our real issue there was, hey, look, we're not standing in the way of the changes you're making, but we are questioning what what positive good is it going to accomplish, particularly if you go back to one year and are acknowledging that the system can't measure 98% of the people that are out there. So, uh, you know, that was... That was kind of uh, uh, not knowing what they were otherwise going to do right. and what they professed to do. And that was to, to, to call out that uh, it may be a kinder, gentler program, but, uh, uh, and little guys may say, well, whew, I won't be investigated because I'm going to fly under the radar. But in terms of accomplishing the agency's ultimate goal, it's just, it just wasn't in that. Yeah, yeah, and you you have you have, we've talked about this before, you and I. But uh, you you guys have proposed some pretty concrete things that could be done to um, to actually do uh, the rating of every carrier in the nation. Um, and you and in the commentary, you actually do sort of propose that again officially. Our group, uh, yeah, first yeah, of yeah. all, let me say that that our our our, our coalition yeah. uh, includes. Uh, Strong representation for small carriers through NASTIC, who's, mm-hmm. who's part of it, uh, and who's 
whose very motif is designed to see that small people get an, an easy uh, uh, easy treatment, a fair treatment, but also a, a group of various niche carriers from, yeah. from auto haulers to specialized furniture people, uh, different groups that uh, uh, have all have a commonality of SMS scores. Got a large number of dray carriers that partici- participate as well because uh, their special issues that dray carriers have with their containers that result in scores. So I say all that to say that our real goal is, is not to defeat SMS. Our real goal is to have in place a system that gives everybody who's allowed to operate a red light, green light for use. So then that regardless of size, uh, the shipping public is free to vet a carrier and from safety purposes, rely on the FMCSA's website. So there wouldn't be any of this unrated. The very term unrated suggests that they ain't even been looked at. Yeah, they don't know, they don't know anything about them. Yeah. <laughs> and unfortunately, unfortunately, with the influx of new applicants, that is increasingly what happens because the agency will issue the authority after a 10 or 15 day notice and they haven't even conducted a new carrier audit. Yeah. Now, the new carrier audit is, is an issue on which there's actual agreement. Uh, and it has it, been around now for eight or 10 years. <laughs> And it is an audit that's supposed to be conducted within the first nine months of operations. And it's basically a desktop audit. Yeah. It relieves the, uh, the pressure of having to send somebody out there to conduct the audit. But it goes through the safety regs and requires the applicant to prove that they have, uh, uh, they've got the ELD, they, they're, uh, driver qualification files are in place. So the, the test, uh, last time it was priced, was $400 for the thing to be done by a, a skilled auditor. And it results in someone being able to say that this carrier has in place the mechanisms necessary to comply with the agency. Right. And that in and of itself is the equivalent of taking a driver's license test. Right, right. Okay, that would lead to a certification that you're licensed to operate the same way a 16-year-old has to prove some proficiency. And if, as we'll talk about later, they're ultimately aiming at addressing the safety fitness rule, then that changes that uh, denomination of unrated into certified for use. Right, right. And that becomes the red light, green light. Right. So it, it, that's the uh, this proposal uh, was presented to the FMCSA and the DOT uh, 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 during the previous administration when they asked for suggestions on how to uh, uh, to modify the safety program. It, it was presented by by Rick Cobble, and you may know Rick. Uh, did safety compliance and common sense with the road dog yeah, system yeah. for years. And he's, he's a consultant with our firm. Uh, 
he, he knows the regulations inside and out. And what he basically uh, proposed was that the new carrier audit be given priority. You add into the filing fee the $400 so it's revenue neutral to the agency and that it be pushed up. Yeah. So now, it happens before. Yeah, it happens. And, and, and you know, I've just got to insert here that there, there are so many ghost carriers getting yeah. authority out here that uh, can't even get beyond having a post office box that, uh, uh, you know, some spending some money on verifying the, uh, uh, the elevator of new carriers yeah. to certify that, uh, you know, when they fill out when they <laughs> fill out an MCS 150 and they say they got 25 trucks, <laughs> somebody needs to see the VIN number. <laughs> so I'm just saying that the, the whole process yeah. would address uh, far more intelligently an examination of the carrier than, than, than whether or not it got caught up in a speed trap. Right, right. But um, you know, that, that system, it doesn't seem to you that that's where uh, the agency is heading when it comes to the safety ratings. How- we have not seen anyone pick up on the idea. And, you know, it's, it's kind of frustrating because it appears to be a very, a very, a very cogent idea. Yeah. And, you know, I say that understanding that if you do go out and look at all of the newbies, there are going to be some guys that aren't going to be happy. Yeah. There are going to be some people that uh, are uh, uh, learning curve is not really deep enough. Uh, our hope would be that they would follow the practice that was traditionally in place here in Tennessee, which was that the agents didn't come out there with the presupposition that you were uh, a safety scuffle, that the first audit was, look, uh, uh, we understand you've applied for your application. Here's uh, here's the manual of, of what you're expected to to do. Yeah. Uh, if you've got any questions about it, give me a call the next week because, uh, you know, on Tuesday the 13th, I'm going to have a, a desktop audit with you. Right. So, right. I mean, you know, the, the thing is, the agency's goal should be to facilitate the operation of a competitive motor carrier system that's open to everybody who can comply. Yeah. And just and just like uh, uh, my sixteen-year-old grandson took took driver training and had a book he had to study before he took his driver's license, something very similar would be helpful. Now, fortunately, a large number of the new carriers that are coming into the industries are actually former owner operators, yeah. and they're very high on the learning. Yeah. You know, if somebody is 22 and his and his his brother was a trucker and he wants to get into it, then we don't necessarily want to discourage his entrepreneurship, but we want to be sure that the system allows for him to yeah. uh, uh, to get the kind of training he needs. Yeah, yeah. So in that case, you know, the the auditors are um, they're not. Uh, 
these new auditors under this kind of a system would be almost like, um, yeah, they would, they would almost be like a training resource for uh, people that are getting into the business. You know, in addition to just, you know, just doing the audit, you know, they'd be be there to help. You know, I guess the best analogy is maybe to the cop on the block. Yeah, yeah. We know we know that what we e- expect of our our police force right. is people who are enforcing the laws, but are not quick to shoot. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, if yeah. if they're going to be the ombudsman, yeah. uh, they don't need to profile every newbie as 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 somebody who shouldn't be in the industry. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, that's what we call prosecutorial abuse. Yeah. Yeah. And what I'm suggesting is that at that level, the agency's function should not be prosecutorial. It, it should be more to be sure that the traveling public understands the rules and is complying and to separate out those who are negligent or wrong. Yeah. Or... Um registering as a motor carrier for, uh, for for reasons that are not uh, to move freight. Reference there to the rise in double brokering by registered entities, both carrier and broker, set up for that purpose, of course. As, as we've discussed, those two issues really play themselves off hand in hand because uh, the way the system is set up now, a lot of people file for authority and aren't able to pay for the insurance, so the authority never goes active. And, and, and uh, you know, by the same tone, there are a lot of guys who are non-asset-based carriers. They don't even have trucks. But you can't, you can't, you can't discern that from the data that's on the FMCSA website. The second issue, which came down close on the heels of the reboot, uh, is uh, the Crash Preventability Determination Program. And I'll explain a a little bit about that. Back in uh, 2010, when they were looking at roadside inspections and infractions, uh, they, they realized that they couldn't muscle up a coalition of correlation between that and safety and they realize that actual crashes are the best prediction of future crashes I mean that would uh, that would be a kind of an obvious thing that you know if somebody uh, uh, has an accident uh, is it a one-off because uh, of one bad driver or is it symptomatic that the company didn't care and the guy didn't have uh, you know, the guy was encouraged to speed. So you have to get to the root cause of the accident. The agency came up with this notion that they would uh, strip the accident reports and use it as part of the formula to determine who to audit. Hank Seaton's making reference there to the CSA SMS crash category of measurement, generally. Since establishing that, it's tweaked its system for what crashes can be included there to allow carriers to remove certain crash types deemed to have been non-preventable by a panel's review. And FMCSA earlier this year then proposed to expand the types of crashes that could be removed if deemed non-preventable. 
Well, a large part of the objection that people had to this was really twofold. Uh, number one, the categories were looked at very tightly. You know, it was almost to the point that, well, we'll give you if it's a deer strike, but uh, uh, not if it's uh, eternal or something. I mean, you know, it was pretty <laughs> arbitrary in terms of what qualified. Uh, a lot of accidents, for example, maybe a rear ender is easier to determine if somebody swi uh, swerves in from the left hand side. Well, the whole system then is based on hearsay because after the wreck occurs, in comes the police and the police take affidavits from the people that are there. And as our friends down in Louisiana have, have proven, <laughs> some of the guys that are offering the evidence may be the perpetrator of the problem. As regular Overdrive readers over the past several years will be aware, that's a reference to the big bust of a ring staging accidents around New Orleans for purpose of defrauding truckers and their insurers. So in any event, the reports that you get are from the well-meaning police officer, but they're purely based on hearsay. And whether, whether the car was swiped at a 50-degree angle or a 60-degree angle, uh, how the accident reoccurred is really just pure hearsay based upon what, A, whether or not a mix-up-trained uh, uh, officer made the report, and B, what the hearsay was. So the system itself is, is clogged with due process issues. The agency broadening the scope of what's to be concerted, again, is certainly nothing that is objectionable. But what it does beg is all of the objections, which were not cited, that we had continually made over that program. And going back 10 years, we had pointed out that there were real due process concerns with that. Primarily because, uh, first of all, it's based on hearsay. Second of all, the decision whether or not there's preventability is made by a policeman uh, who may or may not be right. right. And uh, the decision on appeal uh, has, uh, you know, you say, hey, I want a data cue this. Well, it goes to the officer's superior. Oftentimes, yeah, in the regular data queue process. In the regular data queue process, what you're doing is you're going back to the prosecutor and saying, reconsider. Yeah. So, uh, you know, without getting too geeky and too lawyerly, yeah. uh, uh, you know, at, at best, uh, uh, whatever the, the, the cop on the block has, has done, uh, might be a grand jury thing, but it's certainly nothing that should be rubber stamped as preventability. And so well, we're concerned about the due, the due process concerns. You don't get an ALJ on it. An administrative law judge, Seton means there. And moreover, you have to ask yourself, what is it really all about? Now, let's say we've got a, a serious accident. That serious accident is going to be determined based on fault. It's going to be determined by a jury system after a whole lot of, of evidence and a whole lot of due process. The data queue is a quick and dirty. 
Yeah. Because it's it's based on hearsay that the, the well-meaning officer took down, and then the appeal process is back to the prosecutor. Right. So uh, it's just that the system is would have a very tough time uh, passing what we call the test for a rule yeah, yeah. because of the due process concerns. <laughs> the crash preventability program, though, when they're using the data cues, uh, when carriers use the data queue system for that, I do not think it goes back to the original jurisdiction necessarily. I think it. I think there's a special panel that handles those. Am I am I wrong with that? You know, I think I think in the in the normal course of data queues, when you're challenging a violation or whether your crash should be on the record, it it has in traditionally gone back to the the jurisdiction that issued the inspection, but I think the, the crash program is a little bit different. It, it, may, it may very well, the most recent one that I've handled was a, a, a one in Indiana and it went to the Indiana folks. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure. That wasn't, that wasn't one in the preventability program probably, right? Yeah, it may not, it may that not, was just it may not crash. have been. It's, it, it's, yeah. it's not our, Objection yeah. is not whether or not the appeal is to a state enforcement yeah. official or to someone within the FMCSA right. who has that. The, the distinction is really a little more well-drawn than that. For example, if you are an imminent hazard mm-hmm. because of a wreck, uh, the appeal of that, you get an ALJ. And an ALJ is an administrative law judge who is within an agency and is independent of the prosecutorial yeah, chain. Yeah. And so what what we would suggest is that in this regard, that uh, in the chain of command, uh, the proper thing for it, if it's, if it's going to have an effect, would probably be an ALJ. Yeah. But I've, I've got to say that if you get a... Uh, proposed unsat, your appeal is to the chief enforcement officer of the agency. So you're already caught up in a non-judicial appeals process that's going back to the prosecutor. Right. The other thing that I would say is, uh, and we've cited it in our filing, that the whole question of the validity of the the data queue process and the other issues are well laid out before this. Uh, part of what uh, I doubt any of your listeners really want to read the, the filings that we. I do suspect Hank Seaton might well be wrong about that. Look for a couple of links in the show notes where you're listening to this Overdrive Radio episode. But what, what we're doing is to be sure that the problems with the issues that have been raised over the years are not lost sight of and well this is this this is a a new breed of cat right. because it's not it's really a, probably a step in the right direction but when you ultimately get to what we're going to talk about is a new safety fitness rating uh, you need to look at what is the efficacy of the whole program. Right. And so we've got all these, we've got 
well-established, long-standing uh, um, problems in the data queue system, in the SMS, and we're making these incremental steps to an agency trying to, trying to address some of the issues that are made. Um, and one thing that stuck out to me in that comment that, that, you, that your groups filed um, on the crash preventability program was the uh, the notion of the, I think it's it's the level eight inspection, uh, the CBSA inspection standard. That's an electronic inspection that uh, the Volpe Group, uh, with works with in FMCSA, is is uh, which is a technology uh, development group and advice advisor. They are in Massachusetts. And they have been the agency's vendor of choice yeah, okay. for all things, uh, all things technology, yeah. the uh, uh, the algorithms, yeah. <laughs> which uh, you know mystified us in two thousand and and ten, was a Volpe creation, and they are the. Uh, uh, the the data meisters uh, yeah. that the agency relies upon. What came as kind of a shock to us that are trying to puzzle together where the agency is going is that soon after uh, the two uh, proposals we talked about, the kinder, gentler uh, 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 reboot mm-hmm. and uh, broadening the exemptions, <clears throat> right. we we got the opinion, well, gee, uh, what's it all about? Uh, thanks for making it easier, but if ultimately it's not going to issue safety ratings and you admit that there's not sufficient data, what's it all about? Well, maybe a crystal ball got a little clearer with uh, a notice uh, that, that came out uh, that the FMCSA was going to change its roadside inspection program and that Volpe was working on programs. We haven't seen Overdrive readers who've tuned into our Trucking Status Surveillance series of special reports will no doubt recognize what Seaton's referencing there. And here I explained to him the reporting I'd done about moves towards standing up a test of the Level 8 Automated Electronic Inspection. Essentially a driver inspection that can occur when the truck is simply rolling by a scale or mobile inspection point and communicating electronically with enforcement. The FMCSA's Volpe Center is not necessarily leading the effort toward making that a reality, yet supporting it with FMCSA itself in the lead and the Commercial Vehicle Safety Alliance in a big organizational role itself. After I'd shared what I'd found about the various moves made toward the Level 8 inspection standard, still rather slow going, with Seton, I noted that his coalition had referenced Volpe's late May press release, which suggested Level 8 inspections have the potential to collect 10 times more inspection and violation data than is currently found. His first reaction to the sheer complexity of it all was this. Well, I mean, I guess the question is, uh, that little bit of information may, may indicate there's not going to be any new safety fitness determination before my career is over, because, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, to think how slowly we have come in the past 13 years, yeah. the idea of a rolling inspection and uh, yeah. somehow being assured that good inspections were going to be uh, be kept is uh, 
uh, is is a sincere issue. Yeah. Uh, the 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 problems that uh, uh, that we see obviously is ten times the amount of data. If if that is true, uh, would take what they have said earlier about uh, uh, accountability under SMS and change it. Yeah. So, you know, when they say the reason for uh, a kind of uh, gentler inspection system is most of you guys are not going to be measured, to now say, well, gee, uh, we're feeding 10 times the data into it. Uh, 10 times the data is just kind of overwhelming to figure out how they would manage it. It's also kind of overwhelming to figure out how how you record all that stuff with a truck breaks and down the Well, yeah, I mean, right now, CBSA, you know, they, they write they write the, the requirements of all the different levels of inspections, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so right now, the level eight inspections, which is an electronic inspection, none have been done, <laughs> but the standard exists, right? It looks like a level three, uh, which is a driver only inspection. Uh, Credentials, logs, etc. Um, medical card. <laughs> what does he do? Stick it out the window? <laughs> <laughs> right. yeah. well, well, I mean, the idea would be like you know, transmitted electronically, um, with securely. You know, cybersecurity is a big part of all this. You know, um, a, a big part of all the talk uh, around it. Like, how do you? How do you? Keep all this stuff secure as it's flying back and you know, forth. Also, I mean, of course, that's that's a question for what? all of society. But so, is, 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 is this supposed to be hands free for the truck driver? Yeah. Right. Nobody's saying, "Hey, stick your uh, stick your driver's no. license out the window." No, no, no. this is hands free for the drivers. Yes. Um, well, but but it's not. There's no equipment. Da- there's no equipment data passing back and forth unless. So unless they change that standard, right? Like, so that, and, that, and then that's also been talked about. Uh, so the creep of this is, is the possibility of this creeping into the vehicle itself and brake sensors and other kind of sensor technologies that can be used to transmit operating status to the roadside is a possibility in the future, but that's not what they're looking at now. Well, yeah, but I mean, we already have this issue in California and elsewhere, uh, not just driverless trucks, but all of the other kind of things. Uh, You basically have to retrofit every every truck to to have that kind of stuff. I guess uh, I I could see if you've got an ELD, Yes. Being able to download the ELD so that if some dude yeah. crosses a, crosses a scale and you have correctly assessed who he's working for, yeah, then, yeah exactly. Then, I mean, you know, all of those kinds of yeah. issues are are uh, left to be resolved. Yeah, yeah, and I, and there's been demonstrations of that very thing, uh, like they call it. Uh, expedited level three driver only inspections where ELDs are used and, and to transmit data to the roadside that sort of pre-populates an inspection report with the carrier driver credentials and everything else. And then, you know, 
in a true like what they're envisioning is the level eight though like that becomes like somehow that's a that is a full inspection and an expedited level three like uh, the demonstrations that have been done it requires that that final step of just you know finalizing by law enforcement officer himself uh, in order to make it an actual inspection but what we're where what what they're moving toward it seems like is where that that final step where of human <laughs> interaction doesn't have to take place i guess and the inspection occurs just by virtue of a truck rolling by transmitting the information and you're done let me ask you a question in this regard uh increasingly because of the frauds and scams yeah. we have a real problem uh, identifying whether the equipment that shows up is being owned and operated by the carrier we hire. Indeed. <laughs> At this point, all we have is uh, should be a decal on the side of the truck. Right. Lots of times uh, people will say, well, it's trip lease. Can't you see the cardboard? Right. Right, right. But, I mean, how uh, uh, doesn't this system uh, ultimately require a database that show uh, – by VIN number yeah, yeah. or... Uh, and they proposed that too last year. Uh, the universal uh, ID requirement um, uh, would not likely uh, come into being as a thing where they go back and retrofit every single truck. But proposing to require a system in new vehicles, well, they... They started a rulemaking process. So I don't know if it'll. I think they did an advance notice uh, last year, uh, where essentially uh, they were asking questions about the idea of doing this. CVSA has petitioned for it, uh, and I think within CVSA, uh, the the idea is that the VIN number can can be electronic. Is is your your unique ID for any piece of equipment out there, and all new vehicles would come with the capability of uh, transmitting that to the roadside. Yeah, all of the little pieces of this are in place, but in terms of the safety rating and and all of these issues, like I mean, how do we how do you wrap this up? I mean, where do you see this going? I don't know. I I, I do not have access to the minds of the bureaucrats. Yes. Sir. <laughs> uh, it seems, and, and I don't want to be a naysayer. Yeah. I understand that in the future uh, we have got to accept that there's going to be a whole lot of technology yeah. and that big data is going to drive things. Uh, my concern is that trucking as we know it is going to have a major birthing pain trying to get some of this accomplished. You start talking about Section 8 uh, and uh, being able to... Level 8, uh, yeah. Level 8, being able to get all of this kind of data uh, with uh, uh, artificial intelligence and then convert it somehow into uh, a rulemaking. And, uh, you know, I'm thinking uh, about uh, what is the future... Uh, for small carriers, what is, what is the cost of trucks? It sounds like all of these things 
particularly for someone who operates under a fleet model and buys and keeps a unit for uh, uh, for four years, uh, might work. It might really benefit the, the large folks. Uh, I think it. I think it being a, a real hassle, uh, particularly for uh, older drivers who may look like me who have a hard time turning on a computer, <laughs> much less getting access to FMCSA data. Uh, and uh, I just don't. I just don't see the pain being worth the gain, uh, and I don't see it working for for little guys. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm I'm certainly uh, uh, open to it, but. Uh, it's uh, it needs to be certainly spelled out. There's no way that you can uh, one month say that we don't have the data to make it. Another the next month say, well, gee, this is where we're going. Yeah, we and, get ten and, times the amount. Yeah, and then and then finally, uh, uh, the last thing we're going to talk about is uh, there's notice being offered to OMB that the agency wants to. Relaunch, yeah. and it's not. This is not a reboot of SMS. This is they want to look at replacing 385 as the ultimate uh, safety fitness standard for issuing a safety rating. Yeah, they're going to change. They want to change it somehow. We don't know what yet, but no. well, yeah, that's the issue. They want to change it somehow, and uh, when you. Uh, when you start with the jigsaw puzzle and all you've got two ends, you really you, you really have a hard time figuring it out. I don't see how that's all going to get put together, uh, particularly from a legal point of view. Agencies are particularly afraid of the rulemaking process uh, because when they ask for guidance or they give a preliminary notice, they, they get to certain parts in the notice that requires them to be sure that this is guidance and it's not a rule, because if it's a rule, they have to address things like the effect on small carriers and Paperwork Reduction Act. They've got to do a uh, cost-risk analysis. Yep. There are a whole lot of things that go in to making a permanent rule, and the the way this thing is setting up, particularly with some of the things that you've put in today, are very forward thinking. Uh, but making it a reality may come long after there aren't even drivers and trucks. Uh-huh. It seems it seems to be the kind of the same the same challenge, uh, particularly given the fact that right now the agencies. Uh, list of how many trucks a carrier operates woefully deficient there's no check on it right so i mean if you if you were just going to start in terms of accident per million miles we don't really have that so uh, uh you know i guess part of my concern about uh, uh being not particularly computer literate to air is human if you're able to screw it up get a computer and a bunch of data so i mean you know it just it right. it, it, it it sounds like these four uh, uh, issues indicate a, a, a reboot and a seriousness about the by the agency on getting down to what's its chore. And you know, let's just keep an eye on the chore, which is to be able to give a, an objective, fair, uh, 
uh, audit to however many uh, uh, carriers uh, is brought to the agency. Right. And uh, I'm not sure that uh, drowning it in a whole lot of more data is more efficient than an actual every two years have have somebody go through a new carrier audit on the phone with the guy. And that's a wrap on our multi-part Trucking State of Surveillance series. You can catch all the reports at the worldfamousoverdriveonline.com. Search Trucking's State of Surveillance or catch a direct link in the show notes wherever you're listening. Overdrive Radio is available via Google and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, SoundCloud, Overcast, and so many of the other podcasting services. Subscribe to access those episodes early, and if you haven't, leave Overdrive Radio a rating or review where you're listening. No doubt it helps other interested owners find the podcast. Overdrive Radio is a production of Overdrive, the voice of the American trucker. It's edited and produced by me, Todd Dills, with the acoustic guitar and other support, trucker songwriter, long haul Paul Marhofer. The theme is Legend of the Snake Man by Marhofer, featuring the guitar work of Travis, the snake man himself, Lamech. Terry Two Socks Richardson on bass, keys by Tishmingo, Jim Whitehead, and on drums, Andrew Marshall. The podcast is backed up further by Overdrive's own news editor, Matt Cole, social media coordinator, Holly Young, executive editor, Slocky and video editors Lawson Rudisel and Andrew Gwynn.